Hi, good morning, Ram Church, there in Manchester. It's a joy to be a part of your service today. And I just want to just throw out a huge thank you to Pastor Joe and Stacey, who asked me to come and uh, be a part of this service this morning at the start of this new year, 2021. Thank you for the privilege. I uh, count it and consider it an honour. Also want to just say a big, huge well done to all of you guys there in Ramp, Manchester, who have been working so hard over the last year that we've been through, 2020, just to see God continue to be God and do the things he wants to do in and through you. Leading in any year can be um, a lot of work, but leading through the year that we just came through. uh, Well done. Just want to give out a huge well done to everybody that's been serving in taking care of the kids and uh, your different connect type groups and and stuff like that. Just massive well done. I believe that we're through uh, 2020 now and into 2021 and we can look ahead with great expectations of what the Lord is going to do. I've been asked to share today a vision related message as we stand the other side of the door of this new year 2021 we've all crossed through we've stepped out of 2020 we find ourselves in this first Sunday of 2021 I love vision vision so important vision sets direction you know it says in Proverbs 29 verse 18 where there's no vision people or things perish It's so true, isn't it? Where there's an absence of vision, where vision isn't strong, things can just merely exist and go round in just monotonous circles of doing what we've always done. But then comes vision and vision just helps us to set the direction, to see the way forward, to see what's beyond what we've known. The good news is God's got a lot of things for you this year, Ramp Church. Many things, I really believe in exciting things. Now, vision comes to help us to focus on those things that are coming. You know, when we look at vision, I always believe that vision should be the first thing. The great departments, the great teams that we have in church that make up what we do as a church, the way that we express ourselves, should always serve something bigger than themselves. And that bigger thing, obviously, is God, but also the vision that God gives us. God gives vision to the leaders of the church and as they transmit and make that vision known, suddenly we have a way forward. We can see where we're heading next. And I want to gather around that thought today on this first Sunday of your new year. Now, when we look at vision, there's key vision. I always called that the overriding vision. But, you know, I can't touch the overriding vision of Ramp Church because that job belongs to uh, Miss Karen, to Pastor Karen. She's the visionary of the ramp and that vision that she shares is then outworked through your pastors, Pastor Joe and Stacey, outworked really well. But then we have something that's not key vision, we would call it subvision. Subvision is about the outworking or the weekly directional of moving in the direction that God has us to move in that comes and brings a fulfilment to what we would call and we have called the overriding vision. So Miss Karen comes and she brings the overriding vision for the ramp, the ramp in Manchester, the ramp in America. And then she gives the leaders the task or the freedom to bring vision that helps to fulfill or move us in the direction of that overriding vision that she set in place. Now, ramp 
isn't short of vision. I was writing down some vision that I'd uh, memorized or taken from things I've heard over the years. And here's one statement of vision I've always heard concerning the ramp and the vision, the overriding vision that the ramp has. To awaken a generation, equip them for their purpose, to send them out to change their world. These are statements that you know are true to the vision of Miss Karen, to Pastor Joe and to Pastor Stacy. But they're vision statements that define and declare your purpose. Now, being around the ramp now for many years, and I'm so thankful for the friendships that have grown in those years that I've been around the ramp. I've known that the ramp are really a presence people. And statements I've heard many times, which would be vision statements, are in his presence, you find your purpose. And that's the truth. Ramp are a presence people. But when they spend time, when you guys spend time intensely um, and purposefully in the presence of God, that's where you find the purposes that he has for you. Now, I want to stay within the tracks of this house's the ramp, your overriding vision, your key vision that contains awakening, finding purpose and loving presence. This year for every church, not just ramp or family church, our vision moving forward into 2021 is a lot about rebuilding. Now, rebuilding isn't a negative thing. Actually, rebuilding is a moment or something that we can do that gives us great opportunity moving forward into the futures that God has got for us. So all across the United Kingdom, all across the world, churches are talking about this year being a year where we look to rebuild things that were affected by COVID, by government regulation or by lockdown. And like I said before, rebuilding can be an exciting thing because it gives us the opportunity not just to build back what we had before, but ask ourselves key questions. Do we want it to look like it did? Or can we now use this moment of rebuilding to change some things? Now, when we talk about rebuilding, we're not talking about the ramp or family church or other churches in the United Kingdom having to rebuild everything. You see, the reality is a lot of what you've done as you've journeyed through 2020 um, has caused you to come to greater strength. I believe in talking to Pastor Joe and to Stacey, you found greater strength in some of the community aspects of what you do, of doing life together, in things involving prayer, in things involving outreach. So in many areas of uh, church life for, for you guys there in Manchester, things don't need rebuilding. Things are in strength and they've actually become stronger. So when we talk about rebuild, it's not a case of, oh, everything's fallen to the ground. Where do we get started here? No, no, let me underline. So much of what you've done over this last year, 2020, has left you in strength or in greater strength than in what you had before. But there's certain areas of church life that are common to us all as church leaders that we're looking at and saying, right, now we've got to be conscious and deliberate in rebuilding. We've got to have vision. We've got to have directional thought. We've got to have, um, we've got to have a thought that takes us into the beyond regarding aspects of what we know church to be. And those key aspects are obviously major around our gatherings. How do we now begin to bring back the services that we've known, 
the gatherings that enabled us to reach people physically, the in-person gatherings. And these conversations are happening not just within Ramp Church or Family Church, but every church, I believe, across the world, especially in the United Kingdom. But they're conversations that we need to have. As we move forward into this year, we must move forward with vision. We must be true to the overriding vision that Miss Karen and Pastor Joe and Stacy have set in place. But we need to all, in some degree, be, de- uh, be visionaries in how we now outwork or move forward with this rebuilding of things that are needing rebuilding. As we move forward into this year, we need to be um, ready and willing to rebuild, strengthen the things affected by the season that we've come through. Now, when I say we, it's not we the leaders of Ramp Church, it's we the people. I believe that this is a great opportunity for everyone who calls Ramp Church their home, their spiritual home, to say, we are going to be ready. We're going to be ready for the rebuild. We are going to get ourselves ready. We are going to get into position for what needs to happen to make the church come back to the full strength that God wants it to know. Now, whenever I consider the thought of rebuilding, there's one man in the Bible that always comes to my attention, my consciousness, and that's Nehemiah. When we read about Nehemiah, we know he was a cupbearer to a king. Yet this cupbearer to the king had a vision of rebuilding something. Now, we know it was the walls of Jerusalem. They'd been under attack. They'd been broken down. The gates had been burnt down. There was a massive need for a rebuild. A certain amount of rebuilding had taken place within the walls of Jerusalem. But when it came to the walls of Jerusalem, they were broken down. They were in need of someone to get a vision to rebuild that aspect of Jerusalem. Now, we're introduced to the man, Nehemiah, and he's, he's not a royal. He's not somebody that's high up in government. He's a cupbearer to the king. And we know that when we read through the story of Nehemiah, He suddenly hears about the condition of the walls of Jerusalem and the gates that have been burnt are no longer in place. And it says of Nehemiah that suddenly he caught in his heart a vision to rebuild. I believe that the vision that that he caught was a vision that came from God, that he was considering and he'd heard about the condition of the walls of Jerusalem and he felt prompted inside of him, someone has to do something about this. Somebody has to stand up with a plan or a vision that causes a rebuild with the, the walls and the gates of, uh, of Jerusalem. So he starts a rebuild. And again, many amazing things in the story of Nehemiah. One key thing being that it took 52 days. So Nehemiah catches a heart for the broken walls of Jerusalem. And then he mobilizes people. He gets resource. And then in 52 days, under attack, and uh, he had enemies, anytime anyone's got vision to rebuild something that belongs to God, there's always going to be opposition and enemies, but we don't worry about them. We don't come down the ladder to argue with them. We stay focused on what God has asked us to do. But it's a miracle, isn't it? 52 days, Nehemiah was able to rebuild something that had been torn down. Now, we're approaching almost a year 
of lockdown COVID and the effect of COVID and government regulations upon the church. And in some ways, it's almost 52 weeks. We're coming almost to that moment of it being a year. What if a group of people had a passion to build back stronger the things that have been affected? And in 52 days, we were able to be back in full strength again. These are thoughts that I'm sharing with Family Church, but I thought they would be thoughts that would be good to share with you guys on the opening Sunday of this brand new year. So we look at Nehemiah and we see this man who was a cupbearer and we see three things about Nehemiah that I just want to underline for you today. Number one, he had a heart to do something. You see, you've got to have a heart to do something if you're going to rebuild something. You've got to have a heart. Something in your heart needs to say, this isn't right. We need to do something about this. Number two, he had a strategy. And one thing I know about your pastors, Pastor Joe and Stacey, is they're strategic people. And as you move forward into this year, this year that involves an element of rebuilding, I know that you won't be lacking any strategy. From those who set the overall vision, Miss Karen and the team there in America, and those who outwork the local expression of that vision, Pastor Joe and Stacey. So you've got to have a heart. Come on, let's do something about this. That heart can't just be in leaders. It needs to be in all the people. Number two, you've got to have a strategy, a plan for rebuilding. And number three, you've got to have a team that stand alongside you and say, come on, let's get this done. I believe that Nehemiah had those three things. And it was those three things that enabled him to do that incredible rebuild of the walls of Jerusalem in only 52 days. Now, I really believe for you guys there in Manchester, in Ramp Manchester, there's enough of you with a heart to do this. You've got a strategy for doing this, a vision. And also, there's enough of you to form a team that say, we care about this. Come on, let's get this done. I love the strategy of Nehemiah. Before he sets off, because it's easy just to stand there and shout, let's go over and do this. But that's foolishness if you haven't first got a strategy. And I love, again, time doesn't allow, but if you read through the story of Nehemiah, number one, Nehemiah begins to gather resources. He begins to, even before he sets his hand to repairing the wall, he gets the resources. He goes to the king. He walks in the favour of his faithfulness. He'd been a faithful cupbearer for many years. And Nehemiah then draws upon that favour to get everything he needs, permission to cross places, um, wood and, and this and that, everything that was needed for the rebuild that was in his heart. The Lord provided it because of a favour on his life. I really believe, again, speaking to you guys in Ramp, that the favour of God upon your life will release to you everything you need to see that be rebuilt that may be affected by the year that we've gone through. But the second thing, and this is the bit I want to kind of focus on more, is he gathers and recruits the people whose hearts are stirred by his vision. So in the beginning, Nehemiah, everybody was kind of in a slumber concerning the streets and or, or the walls of Jerusalem. But suddenly this man, Nehemiah, hears the sound that something needs to be rebuilt. He catches it in his heart. He begins to get the resources that are needed. But then he realises if we're going to do this in 52 days, if we're going to do this quick, we need a lot of people who have caught a passion for the purpose that God has for us in this moment. And that's what I want to send out through the camp of the ramp this Sunday morning. It's just a shout 
Come on, let's gather together. Let's gather the hearts of the people that core ramp their church, their spiritual home to be ready to rebuild. So we're not sending out a few, but we're sending out the many. This is the key verse I wanted to share with you this morning. It's found in Nehemiah 2 verse 18. Well, actually, I'm just going to share a statement from this verse. And I love this statement. This is a statement that I'm hearing for you. This is a statement I'm hearing for me as we've crossed out of 2020 into 2021. We're standing the other side of the door in a new year where anything could happen this year. And I really believe that God is going to do good things in this year. Listen to the statement that Nehemiah sends throughout the camp of the people. Let us now rise and build. Let us now rise and build. I really believe that that's the vision that God wants me to share to you guys this morning on this Sunday. Let us now rise and build. Well, actually for us, it's a little bit different. It's let us now rise and rebuild. This cry that went out through the camp, let us now rise and rebuild. Let us rise and build. It was a sound that awoke the heart of the people. You see, there was a godly purpose for these people, but they were in many ways asleep in what they've got used to or how things were. But suddenly this cry that came from Nehemiah, let us now rise and rebuild. Let us now rise and build. This cry awoke or caused an awakening to people concerning godly purpose. People began to awoke or awaken from a sleep that they've been in to be involved with something that was much needed. There was so much when when Nehemiah looked at the workload involved in bringing that area of the walls and the gates back to strength. There was so much work that would take a lot of people. But this, this statement, let us rise and build, awoke the heart of an army of people that said, come on, let's go and get this done. Oh, but we would hear that sound to come through Ramp Church, Family Church. Let us now rise and build. That we would cause, that we would see an awakening in our hearts from those simple words. This is the cry, I believe, of every visionary leader in this moment that we now find ourselves in. We need an awoken church. For what God's got for us next, we need an awakening. Now, I know that that's not strange terminology to you guys there at the the ramp, awakening. Your overriding vision is to awaken a generation. I believe in this moment that we now find ourselves We truly need an awoken people, an awoken people, an awoken church to what we need to do to see God do what he wants to do next through us. It's strange in this season that we've gone through of almost being a year now, how many people have drifted into a slumber, even faithful people, good people that have fallen into a slumber. They got used to watching online church and in some way became consumers of online church where they weren't having to get up and go to a building, take part in making church happen. Suddenly, sadly, many became conditioned to sitting in front of a television and making that their church experience or their weekly gathering experience. 
Listen, that was only a moment that we went through. It should never be our normal setting. In fact, I believe that this awakening call, let us now rise and build, needs to awaken those who have been a part of a church but have maybe dropped off into a bit of a spiritual furlough or a spiritual slumber to awaken again to the things that we need to do. It's time to arise and shine. I believe that an alarm clock's going off and it's calling every believer, every follower of Jesus to awaken from any slumber that they've known. Why? Because God has a purpose for us this year, for our generation. When I think of an element of the church going to sleep, it reminds me of a couple of Disney movies that I wasn't a stranger to, having five children in my home. We would watch different Disney movies and, and Disney stories and, and, and fairy tales of old, if you like. And one was Snow White and the other one was Sleeping Beauty. But when I think about the storyline of Snow White and the Sleeping Beauty, it reminds me a little bit of the condition of a lot of the church in the United Kingdom right now. And sadly, some of the people that call our church, Ramp Church, Family Church, home. There was an apple that was bitten, um, a needle that was touched, that brought an infection into Snow White and Sleeping Beauty that caused them to go into a deep sleep. I believe it was Snow White was put into a deadly deep sleep. You see, we shouldn't be asleep when the Lord doesn't want us asleep. We should be awake. But in these storylines, you're not, you're not unfamiliar with the storyline of Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. There's a, there's a basic storyline, isn't there, that, that a baddie slips in and, and causes Sleeping Beauty or Snow White to eat an apple or experience a pinprick on their finger and a deep sleep comes upon them. So deep that for Sleeping Beauty, Ivy grew up around the building, all over the castle that she was in. She was blissfully, unconsciously unaware of things that were happening in the time when she was asleep. For Snow White, she was unaware of people looking for her, trying to awaken her, people trying to take care of her, as the seven dwarfs were running all over the place. You know, in both these storylines of Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, and they're only stories, we see somebody that was tricked. And how they were tricked caused them to enter a slumber that they weren't meant to be in, a deep sleep that they shouldn't have been in. But now we come to the good bit of the story. Nothing could awaken them but the kiss of a prince. I really believe that we're in a moment where for those who have gone into a slumber, for those who maybe lost their way a little bit when church went online, for those that tuned out a little bit, there's an awakening that's happening right now that's comparable to the kiss of a prince. Remember in the storyline of, of Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, the only thing that could break the curse or end the slumber was the kiss of the prince. I really believe for a sleeping church in our generation, the awakening that we need will come from the kiss of the prince, the prince of peace, Jesus Christ. That's the awakening that we need. A moment in the presence of God, a moment in a presence, a moment with Jesus, where suddenly any slumber or sleeping in our life it's broken and there's an awakening 
wait a moment, God's got a purpose for my life. I'm not called to sleep. I'm not called to sit and watch. This is time for me to arise, shine, get alongside the Nehemiah that God's given me to rebuild what needs to be rebuilt so that God can do what God wants to do. For some, it's an awakening from complacency. For others, it's an awakening from distraction. Like I said, for others, it's an awakening from consumerism. It's amazing that if you just sit in front of a TV long enough, you can't help it. You become a consumer. My prayer for you is my prayer for many churches across the United Kingdom, that we would right now, in this moment we find ourselves, experience that kiss of a prince. When the Prince of Peace comes to us and breathes upon us fresh life that causes us to fully awaken, not just to his presence, but to the purposes he has for us. See, the reality is we have much to do. We've got walls that need to be strengthened. Pastor Joe and Stacy need you to arise and build with them. Come and stand alongside them and say, what do we need to do now, Pastor? What is God calling us to do in 2021? How can we come alongside you and serve you like you need us to serve you? I really believe our rebuild will cause us to build things that are different to what we knew before. You know, I believe that your rebuild there in Manchester will be a hybrid rebuild. And hybrid is an interesting word, isn't it? Hybrid, we understand with cars that you can have hybrid cars around. And uh, to me, I've always driven a, a car that was diesel or petrol. But now there's so many electrical cars that don't use that type of fuel anymore. And you have hybrid cars that are a mix of both. I believe that as we set our hearts on rebuilding for God, rebuilding what he wants us to rebuild, we need to be ready to build something that's more hybrid than what we knew before. Now, like I said, I've only ever known diesel cars and I know people that own electric cars. And I don't believe that God wants us to just go back to what we knew. God doesn't want us just to go back to the uh, petrol or the diesel car that was very, very um, true to what we were. Equally, I don't think we should lay aside everything we knew to become a Tesla or um, an electric car to something that has no reference or point of contact to who we were. In fact, I think moving forward, God wants us to think hybrid. What some of the things that were a part of who we used to be but still are true and hold value today to who we need to be? And also, what are some of the things that we've learned in this journey together, this, this last 12 months or so, that are things that we don't want to lose because actually they work really well. So when we move forward rebuilding for God there in Manchester, here in Portsmouth, all across the United Kingdom, I believe that we need to begin to think hybrid. Don't be stuck in who you were, but equally don't neglect or despise anything that used to be that still works today. Also, something that catches my attention is that when they came in to rebuild the walls, when Nehemiah and the guys came and rebuilt the walls, it says they also hung new doors. I want to make sure that we're hanging new doors. And I know the heart of Pastor Joe and Stacey. We want to hang new doors. What are doors? They're entrance points. Yeah, doors can be used for people exiting, but also doors are mainly used for people making an entrance or coming through. As we look to rebuild what church is to look like or what church can look like 
for our future. As we have this moment where we don't need to do things we've always done if we don't want to, let's purpose in our heart to be hanging new doors, not just the ones that we knew, but the ones that will give a greater ability for other people, whosoever, to enter through them. I really believe that we're coming into an incredible moment of soul winning, an incredible moment where evangelism has moved from the stage and it's come into the lifestyle of believers, the followers of Jesus. So we want to make sure that in this next season that we're coming into, our doors are wider, our doors are bigger, our doors are different. When it comes to helping other people that don't yet know Jesus, to be able to come in, encounter him, and be a part of his family, the church. So as we're hanging doors, we're not looking to hang the old ones we knew, but new ones that give better entrance or access to people that desperately need Jesus. We need people who will come and stand next to their Nehemiah, who aren't scared to do practical things as well as spiritual things. Again, when you read through the storyline of Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 16, you suddenly see that when they actually come to the moment of rebuilding the walls, rebuilding that which needed to be rebuilt, we suddenly see that you had shift work happening because they were under attack. They had enemies. They had opposition. And when you read through the storyline, half the people were there to protect those who were working and the other half would be working which meant in some ways anybody that was committed to a rebuild had to be ready to hold a sword in one hand, but also a trowel, a shovel, or some other tool for rebuilding in the other hand. That's the people that we need to rebuild the things that God wants us to rebuild. A people that aren't just spiritual, well, I pray for you, I pray for you, but equally aren't just practical, what do you need done? We need to see people that take both aspects into consideration, a people who are prayerful, a people who are protecting the work in prayer from the attacks of the enemy. Because one thing or another thing that's common or we have in common with the storyline of Nehemiah is we have an enemy that doesn't want us to rebuild something for God. But the good news is no weapon fashioned against us will prosper. But we need to be a people that come and say, right, let's rebuild, but let's make sure that we're doing this correctly spiritually, but also that we're not being too spiritual, that we're not rolling up our sleeves. What does that look like? It looks like you coming to Pastor Joe and Stacy and saying, all right, I know there's going to be a lot of practical stuff that's needed on a Sunday. As we rebuild our Sunday gathering, you're going to need people in creche. You're going to need people in children's church. You're not going to need people in hosting team, on, on the coffee shop afterwards, running the soundboard. Sadly, over this journey, some people may have moved from the roles that they once did, but we need to be ready to fill any void or absences with people that are saying, come on, my sleeves are rolled up. Let's get this built. Pastor Joe, Pastor Stacy, let's get this thing rebuilt. You've got me, not just practically, but also spiritually. I'm going to be praying, but I'm also ready to be working too. I believe it's that type of person that causes us to do a 52-day rebuild and do something that could take a long time in a very short time. As with Nehemiah, we've got to have an all-hands-on-deck mentality moving forward into this year. Yes, we cannot expect opposition, but our strength is found in enough of us, enough of you, 
being ready to do what God's asking us to do. Our speed is determined by buy-in. The amount of people that suddenly say, yes, Lord, I want to awaken to your purposes. Thank you, Lord, for the kiss of the Prince of Peace. My heart's awoken. Yeah, there's been a season of watching TV on TV, uh, uh, watching church on TV, but now my heart is awakened to get what needs to be rebuilt, rebuilt again. But also we need a people that don't care what gate they're working on. Do you know when you read about the gates of Jerusalem, uh, there were many different gates that had many different purposes. And there was one gate called the Dung Gate. And without going into too much explanation, the Dung Gate was a gate that was used for removal, for bringing things or waste out of the city so that it didn't remain in the city and cause the city to become septic. They had a gate that was called the Dung Gate. What we need is people that have been awoken by the kiss of the prince, that have come up out of a slumber and said, come on, we've got godly purpose, we've got work to do. But then also say, listen, I don't care what gate you give me to work on. We can't afford, if we want to do this quickly, if we want to see God do what he wants to do quickly through us, we can't have an attitude or a mentality that says, I'll come and help, but I want that gate. I want that gate. Give me that gate. I like that gate. I worked on that gate before. I've only ever known that gate. No, we need to be an awoken people that says, I don't care what gate you put me on. I may have, did, I may have done sound, but if you need me with children, I'll do children. I, I may have done this, but if you need me to now do this, I'll do this. Come on, I know your heart, Ramp Church. I know the DNA that's in you. I, I know how much you love God. And I know that an awoken people don't care what they do. They just want to be a part of what God's doing. So my prayer for you this year is that you would awaken from any sleep that you may have known. Maybe over the last 12 months, the enemy was able to get you just to slumber, to drop off, to maybe rest more than what you should have rested. Hey, when we came into this, I thought it was going to last four weeks. And here we are nearly a year later. But what's on my heart is to share to you this morning, today, that I believe there's an awakening happening right now that the kiss of the prince, the presence of God, is breaking the power of a spiritual slumber. People that have been complacent, people that have been distracted, consumed by the luxury of watching church at home, are awakening as the Lord himself is breathing upon the hearts of his people. My prayer for you is my prayer for me. My prayer for the ramp, it's probably the same prayer for family church as it would be the prayer of many leaders and visionaries across our nation. Let us experience a reset in our hearts that comes from the kiss of a prince that causes us to become an army of rebuilders. I really believe that this is going to be a great year for you, Ramp. I really believe that our best is ahead of us. This has been an unusual year, but the good news is we serve an unusual God. My prayer that God is that God would be unusual in this year that we're coming into, that you would see his favour, just as Nehemiah saw favour, that you would see favour. You would see provision coming from unusual places to enable you to do what you need to do. I'm believing that you guys will be given venues. I'm believing that you guys will be given equipment. But I'm also believing that there'll be an awakening in the hearts of each and every one of you that are watching this that says, my time of sleeping, my time of slumber, my time of running at a slower pace is over. Because I've heard a sound that says, it's time now 
to rise and build. The Lord bless you as you set your hearts on rebuilding that which needs to be re rebuilt. Like I said before, I count it a great honour to be a friend of a ramp and friends to your pastors, Joe and Stacey. And we are shouting your corner. We are saying, go ahead, make a difference in Manchester. Do something big for God. But right now, my prayer for you is simply one of awakening. I just want to pray for you as I close this morning. Father, thank you for the kiss of a prince that breaks the power of slumber. Father, I want to pray that throughout ramp, there in Manchester, awakening that comes from your presence would begin to break out in homes and in families like never before. Father, I thank you for an awakening of the heart of man that causes us to realise there's work for us to do. Lord, I pray as, as the ramp move forward into this year, into an element of rebuilding things again, that they would know your resource and they would know the rising up of an army of rebuilders that gets this job done for you, Lord. Bless them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you, Ramp. Looking forward to hearing all the great things that God does through you. God bless. <laughs>